Good evening, and uh, this evening's uh, um, topic is uh, basically just uh, questions from Sangha. So, if you have uh, have some uh, questions, that might be a, a good way to work with the with the Dharma situation tonight. So, please go for it. Kozan, go ahead. Um, during the Open Heart Project, you were talking about the four karmas. Um, is there a way to use that to work with yourself? Um, that's a very good question. I would say I would say there is, but I would say it's something you should go very slowly in doing. So, but I would say there is. Usually, it's something coming from outside. We pacify. Enrich, magnetize, or destroy. Just it's just skillful ways of working with energy that is getting out of hand, is coming at you, or is uh, disrupting the environment you're in, or your own uh, tranquility. So always pacify, pacify, so, <laughs> soften things up if you can, and then the magnetizing is to uh, go in and. Uh, or, uh, rather than enriching, is to go, you could say, kind of like uh, putting a backfire in to prevent a forest fire from coming towards you. You kind of you go in and you actually use some of the energy that's coming back at you, if you understand it. If you're, if you're at war, you should slow down. If you feel like you're at war, if there's any kind of, uh, any kind of hatred coming up or complete dislike of what is coming at you, uh, misunderstanding and thinking that that is bad or evil or should be killed, then uh, maybe this may not work at all. These may not work at all because they would just be strategies to eliminate something. So uh, I sometimes say it this way, that if you see what's coming at you, regardless of how difficult or how aggressive or how um, angry or how convincing that is, it's, it's uh, always coming from another person, I'm saying, and even coming from a uh, from a military platoon, if that happens to be happening, or police, it's based on fear. And the fear, in order to cover up fear, not only people, but organizations, whole societies, and nations uh, use uh, control to do that. They, they, if they somehow feel like they're in control, then the fear uh, tends to dissipate because it is dependently arisen. And But that dependent origination uh, isn't just, uh, isn't selective. Uh, it will get its energy from wherever it can. And so therefore, um, uh, you've heard me say this many times, less is better. It's just another another way of talk of teaching patience. Less is better. Don't do anything unless you absolutely have to. And that may take, what, some patience, uh, hold still and watch the movement or the lack of movement. Usually it's the lack of movement that creates uh, impatience. Uh, when when that shows up, you might want to look again because there's a whole lot of things that are probably on the move. So as far as using that in your personal uh, dynamic, uh, I wouldn't teach that as a general teaching. But if you were to come and ask how, how you personally should teach that, I could probably tell you if I know you very well. And actually, Kozan, I know you pretty well. And I'm working on reading your mind. That hasn't worked yet. Maybe next week. <laughs> Further question, Kozan? You say, uh, as it arises, whatever rises in mind, don't add, don't subtract, don't divide. But if there's something that's unreason unreasonably persistent, and it feels like you need a little bit more to work with that. In your own mind stream? Yeah. Take, take it. in mind it's the mind stream so whatever is arising if it's uh, somehow challenging difficult regardless of what it is uh take it to the wall with my way of saying train your mind go sit down and slow everything way down uh, do as little as possible so you can see that aspect of the body body mind complex that wants to continue moving and quite often that movement is about a cover-up it's just a way of talking about ignorance not necessarily passion or aggression. 
uh, even sometimes even the body starts to move in order to cover things up in the in the I think it's the Hindu tradition. I think that's called, uh, is that called Kriyas, uh, Chisho? Kriyo, when there's some kind of a involuntary movement of the body, Kriyas? Yeah, Chisho, Kriya is action. It could be involuntary or voluntary. Okay, so so Kriyas. Is so, uh, and that's that's sometimes uh, uh, people jump to a conclusion about what that means or what that doesn't mean. And anytime I have a, um, a student who, has involuntary, so-called involuntary movements, I encourage them to just, I'm not saying act them out, but just go ahead and let them come and go because that is an act. Body and mind are not two separate things. They just look vividly like that. I mean, it's completely, it's like, you know, a, a, a picture of something and the actual thing that it's a picture of. It, the, the separation is absolutely stunning and incredibly believable, but it's unreal. There, there isn't anything that's separate. There isn't anything that's separate. And the body-mind are not two different things. They're the same thing that have differentiated in order to function in the in the way that we function here in a physical realm. But, but uh, when I say, when I, there's no way I can convince you of that. I don't mean to do that. But I'm saying they're not separate. So when something, as I say, watch what moves. And if you're sitting down and watching the thought patterns and you eventually... Feel you might want to hold your seat for quite a while without without struggle, but eventually, if you need to get up, you should get up. That's a misunderstanding, or it's a or else it's, that misunderstanding might be mine. But I've been doing this for a number of years, and it looks like that's a misunderstanding to try to control somebody's body in order to control mind. So you can use the the body, but they're not two separate things. So therefore, you can't say anything about that aspect of the body that we call the mind. But you do have some say so about the uh, the lower uh, level energy, the the one the, that energy that is uh, closer to uh, uh, to like uh, a piece of granite than some incense. That would be the body and the mind. So still still formation of some kind. Just one is impossible to control, and uh, the the piece of granite you can you can pick that up. You can move it. So let's say using that same metaphor, um, when you watch what moves, you might. You want to hold still because if you can, it's say hold still and watch what moves. But if you can't hold still, you should you should possibly get up and go to the kitchen or go look out the window or go walk a little bit. Uh, not not a structural uh, walking meditation that is controlled by someone else who has not has no say so about your body but wants to, uh, like the and the, the doan in the uh, Japanese tradition, the umze in the uh, Tibetan tradition. So. That, that, that place has its it has its place, and we do some of that. But basically, once you're doing the sitting practice of meditation, whatever it is, you should pay attention to what your body's saying. It's about awareness. It is not about holding still forever or stopping the mind. You, there's no point in stopping something that is not real. Uh, then you get an unreal conclusion. I think I've stopped my mind. You know, I think I've transcended my personal self. I'm so delighted. I must be on the first boomy. Probably not. So further questions about that, if you have it. Watch what moves. Um, it seems to require, let me ask it this way, how does effort come in? How does effort play into the, to holding still on the cushion? So it's it's here again. It's very individual and it's very situational. There are so many things there. That's why I'm not particularly in in favor of ordering anybody around or telling anybody what to do at all. I need to get permission from you, and then I can interact with you, uh, uh, kind of like a guide or a mentor or a coach. Uh, and but that could be even stronger than that, depending on the student. The if the if it's a true teacher. That teacher should be able to meet anybody anywhere, whether they're completely trained or not trained at all. And so the way I would say to you, and that the way I understand your question, that is, uh, do a little bit. Sometimes call, just do a little bit, work with it, see how much tension you can put on yourself to stay still, use a, use a form, uh, set up a time to meditate and a time to stop, and then see if you can uh, conform to that particular situation. And train your mind. Get as much time sitting down, holding still as you can. 
and uh, do do some uh, if you if, if doing sutras is something you want to do, you want to include. We're all about that. The monastery, we do that for uh, long periods every day in different places because of the connection with body, speech, and mind. Sometimes only sutra can really uh, see that connection clearly. And that connection isn't always particularly pleasant. So if you have a specific question about that, are you talking about not being able to stay on the cushion? Impulse to move seems to arise spontaneously. Yeah. And the effort to stay still seems to require some kind of aggression toward that spontaneously arising movement. Gotcha. Um, the question, I guess, is Yes. Is that, is that aggression necessary? Or is it possible to apply effort? Without aggression. Don't do the either or. It doesn't help. I mean, I can do either or, but then, you know, then we start rowing a boat around. I mean, let's let's just give me the straight question in that way. It's, I'm not doing, I'm not trying to do away with your with your way of inquiring, but I would like to do it a little. I'm very simple minded. Give me the straight question. I'll address that. And then you can give me the or part if you want. Go ahead. Is it possible to apply effort? Without aggression. Yes. Yes. And you may have to, you may have to, go ahead, go ahead, you. Is it possible to apply effort without ignorance? Probably not. Aggression is something that's a little bit more visible. You can kind of see its energy. You can feel its energy. But you can't, uh, you can't see uh, ignorance because the very nature of it is to not see not be aware, to shut down, to look away, to distract. But let's go back to your first question so I can respond to that more. Okay? Okay? So when the, uh, when that, your, pardon me? So when, okay, a little bit of a delay with Zoom. So it's hard to say who's saying what, when. So what I'm, uh, what I wanted to recommend is that when you're sitting and you're staying there and you've been there for 20 minutes or half an hour, and I know you've sat long periods of time and it's uh, maybe just recently you're having difficulty uh, holding your seat. Uh, but uh, what I would say is uh, just watch the aggression arise. That's uh, that is not something not, there's nothing to obey there. Uh, that that's uh, the obeying part is a, uh, you don't have to obey it. You, you need to observe the form. So sit down and hold still. If your intention is to study this, uh, the Buddha's Dharma and work with uh, this Sangha, this teacher, this teaching, then what I'm saying to you is set up a time, strike the bell, sit there for an hour or two hours, five hours or four hours or whatever you're going to do. And that's up to you how long, but try to do a little bit every day. And then notice how how it feels when you want to get up. And then then turn that feeling of how of uh, that aggressive feeling uh into a, a dharma gate and make it something that you can work with because it's showing up so that you can understand your aggression uh not clamp down on it and make your aggression go away or not particularly get up and indulge or go the other way to get away from your aggression by running around in the living room or going and turning on the television or reading a book but you know you could do a little bit of it you could do it you could do it you could go into the aggression a little ways and then you could notice the depth of that, the quality of that, without blaming anything. And and uh, there's a, a thing that uh, I think it was a Trunk Rinpoche that talks about about uh, uh, aggression or anger without hatred. So so in this case, it would be uh, aggression, but not not resentment about it. Just just uh, just realizing you're going to work with your own mind stream, uh, and the sooner you can actually. A function as your own meditation teacher, the better. And so take your time with it. W work with it. Set, set, strike a bell, use a form, strike a bell and have a, a length of time you're going to sit and then endeavor to set that length of time. And then if you find yourself getting up in the middle of that and going to the kitchen, just be aware of the state of mind. Notice how, notice of getting up and getting uh, moving around, not the movement of the thought, the movement of the aggression, the movement of the body. Notice of that 
what that does, just be uh, be very radical about it. Notice if the aggression drops away, if it if it comes up, if it changes its changes its shape somehow, or if it picks up an object to be aggressive about. Sometimes, uh, if we if the aggression is too free floating and too uh, unhinged, but it's still there and bubbling up and hot, we we you know we it's it's so uh, difficult to not just go to why is this happening? This must be happening. Speculating. Well, this one, I must be not drinking enough water. We'll, we'll we'll settle for any kind of anything to get us out of the direct perception of what is in front of us. We do it all, all, all the human beings, most human beings are doing it with no aware awareness of it at all. They don't, not even aware that they are a human being. Shoto bowing. Is the mind training, is the quality of uh, our mind training different if the stillness on the cushion is coming out of rigidity? Out of being rigid, like yes. Well, probably, but there again, uh, situational, dependently arisen, and and the the specificity of the causes and conditions that are arising just before the rigidity and as the rigidity and the intention and all, it's so very complicated. This is why we have to do it with awareness, and we can't just do it with. Uh, getting better or not being mad or being more aware, all that stuff. We have to actually look at the fundamental substrate of whatever it is that we're experiencing, the, the foundational part of it. And very difficult to do that unless we're holding very still, because otherwise we get magnetized by thoughts and ideas and judgments, evaluations and conclusions and exclusions that are going every direction and making us feel like somebody who's thinking. So if you want to, if you want to paraphrase that question, I'll answer it a different way. If you can. I'm thinking something you say is uh, it's not how long we sit. It's the stillness that's important. And I do just wondering how to uh, like, does that mean we should be as still as possible? Like and hold that until we can. No. Bowing. No, but, uh, you know, everyone is, some people can sit very still for a long time. We all, we all probably know somebody or we might be that person. And we've noticed that we can sit really still, but we still feel like crap. And then other people who uh, maybe can't sit very still at all, but feel a lot better than we do. So there, I mean, you could, you could take your pick. There's just so many uh, variations on it. But the way I talk about this is the stillness is important. But it's not about being too macho about it. It needs to be a soft uh, touch. It means it needs to be a touch and go. It needs to be just touch on it. And this doesn't mean go and abandon it. Meaning touch on it and just see see how sticky that is. Sit very still. Notice the stillness. So any subtle movement that comes in that could be. Uh, you can't really, if you're holding yourself stiff or rigid, this is not going to work so well. So it should be a, should be very, very uh, soft, uh, should be as uh, uh, symmetrical as possible. Since, as I said earlier, body-mind are not two different things. You have no say-so about the mind or very little, uh, but you do have some say-so uh, about the body. And that's what, this is part of what gives us the illusion we're somebody, because I can't turn my mind into something else just by snapping my fingers, particularly. But I can move my hand. And I can move this hand. I can put them down. I can do anything I want. <laughs> like any six-year-old would say. So uh, the, the stillness part, the way I talk about it, and I might do it differently with each person, depending on someone sitting in front of me and is having difficulty with some quality of their sitting practice. I would talk to them individually about it. And so what I'm saying to one person, I might not say that at all to another. But I'll give you an idea what I'm talking about here, even though it's a large group of people. I would say, sit very still, but don't maintain it. Sit very still. So it's the intention. to. So you, what you're doing is you're actually aligning yourself with dependent origination, which the ego seems like losing control. Anything that the ego doesn't control or have something to say about, 
uh, feels like uh, losing control when actually the other other direction uh, the ego is controlling this is uh, uh, more like a prison sit down hold still watch what moves watch the hold very very still and even if it's only for three or four minutes and then you need to shift or flex your back a little bit then be de very deliberate you don't have to say i'm about to move or something like that but you could stretch a little bit you could get up you could go to the kitchen or you could come back and then watch them anytime you're anytime you're doing anything but the stillness just watch the movement because that is very similar to the movement that happens in the mind stream it's not exactly the same but but to just observe it then you see when the way in which you can actually watch the thoughts arise and then then you decide or something shows up or you uh or you need to move your then then uh uh, and I don't call it that. I'll call it here just uh, uh, situationally as, as, as meditation and action. Meditation and action is not being really aware of how you're chopping vegetables or being uh, 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 trying to be silent. Uh, it's a it's a uh, from my pr perspective. And you can disagree. Do something else. You don't have to believe a word I'm saying. Please don't. But the way it looks to me after a number of years of doing this is functional speech is a practice and and uh, noble silence as a practice are are not helpful they 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 divide up the sangha they don't allow the sangha to actually be a community they cause the sangha to be a community who s tries to see who's the introvert and who's the extrovert the introverts love that and they will correct you where there was the whereas the extroverts did i say introverts first oh good see i'm not too dyslexic but the extroverts uh, don't, the people who like to talk and like to visit and so on, for them to maintain that. Be, and why? It's because it's, it's, it's going against the situational thing that you're in. If you're sitting down and meditating, it's situational to keep your trap shut. But if you're sitting at a uh, puja table or something and you're working with Orioki and you run into a situation where you're not sure which side the setsu goes on or something because you're new to Orioki, which is a ritualized uh, eating process developed in Japan and China, uh, then you should be able to ask the person next to you uh, that, that, to say that, oh, I can't talk, it's functional speech, or it's just, it's control. It's just control. And I have no interest in controlling you at all. And anybody who's trying to do that, uh, uh, with you as a practice, if you have a teaching situation or a and they're doing that, it's not incorrect. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. You should go ahead and do it. And if it works for you, then if you like it or if it's okay, then do it. I'm not correcting anyone. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying, I think it's a misunderstanding if your intention is to train people's minds or help them train their minds. It's a misunderstanding. Big one. It's all over the place. People think they're getting somewhere when they're able to be more quiet than everybody else or hold still. We've had people come to the monastery. When I, when I say there's no fun, I say, well, I want to do functional speech. Well, you can do that. He says, well, can I put a pin on me that says, don't talk to me or something like this? You know, it's a, of course, that person is, doesn't come back anymore because they don't like to, uh, they, they want the uh, traditional kind of classical kind of form that actually just controls you. So you don't have to look at your, desperate mind you bowing yes question from kyosaku if all if all things are impermanent what do you think happens after the extinction of dependent origination you think that's going to get extinguished where did you read that So I, I'm not. I'm, what do I think happens? I mean, it's kind of a speculative type of thing. Let's say, let's say, dependent origination uh, uh, gets extinct, which I doubt. But say, let's say it does. Then, uh, but you should be able to tell this. Nothing happens. <laughs> That's what I think. But what is you? You need to if you're going to ask that question. You have to be very clear about your terms. What is dependent origination? Do you think it's something that comes and goes? 
Do you think it's something that is actually a dynamic that can go away? What hasn't appeared can't go away. Yes. Shut up. If I feel like something else is threatened, is that a projection of my own feeling threatened? Uh, you know, it could be. Yeah, could be. I don't know. I mean, when you say something else, do you mean your your mother or the monastery or the teacher or or somebody? Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not sure where you're at with that. So maybe you could pinpoint it for me. It, I think where I was asking is something around like the monastery or the lineage. I seem to feel like something can be threatened there sometimes. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure it's probably a, a probably a projection. I don't know if it's helpful to, for you to hear me say that or not. Anyone else? So cool about it. So go ahead and go ahead. So go ahead. So go ahead and go ahead. You said we'll do anything to avoid looking at what's right in front of us. What is so frightening about what is right in front of us? Yeah, because what is right in front of us is uh, uh, is uh, not separate from that which is looking at it. Just a way of talking about it. It's called, uh, it's a, not something I made up. It's, uh, it is a way of talking about the yoga chart. Uh, perception only, or whatever you perceive, the object you perceive, to use that structure, the object and the subject who's perceived. And this, is, this shows up all over, not just in Buddhism, but it's in uh, Advaita, and it's in uh, the teachings of Jiddu Krishnamurti from uh, the 1940s and 50s. So the observer is the observed was his way of putting it. And it's not that, go ahead, please. Go ahead. It, it, it seems like this is what we are attempting or endeavoring to see on the cushion. And yet we keep avoiding it. Yes. What is the, what is it that's so, um, I guess so frightening about, uh, the observer and the observed being the same. Because we believe that we are somebody, and when we see that, uh, it isn't some kind of romantic, magical feeling. Some people think it is, but it is not. Some romantic, magical feeling, of, oh, I'm at one with the world. That's not how it shows up. It's much more rugged and radical than that. And it is uh, not particularly soothing. I'm talking about the path. I'm not talking about the goal. I'm talking about the path quality. As long as there's something else, that's, there's a path. And that something else could be uh, you're, already, you're beginning to see that, uh, that there's no self in the skandhas, form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness, that there's no solid being there anymore. But you, there's still skandhas. And the form skanda uh, is, you know, uh, is here. And the, the, the concept of the thinking mind is still operating somewhat. Uh, separate as a on its own and somewhat interacting with feeling perception to establish some kind of a, a singularity called that particular human being. But fundamentally, fundamentally with a capital F, fundamentally, uh, those uh, skandhas are not separate. And nor are they together. So it's difficult to point to something in such a way that we can Oh, yeah, I see what you mean there. Now I see what you mean. So it's not about proof. Further question in that area is good. If you have it. Otherwise, I'll go to Maria. Go ahead, Maria. What happens at ego when we are aligned with the dependent origination? Uh, then the ego, that's a good question. It, it's, it still comes and goes. You, you might not. You won't be too concerned with it. It may, it may show up. Uh, it's just your self-centeredness coming and going. But it's, you no longer believe in it. So the very same thing that that probably got you onto the path uh, is you you begin to see that it is uh, unreal. It has no 
has no uh, sub, there's no substantiality to it in terms of it being having some kind of credential for getting credit for anything. This doesn't mean you're going to ignore it or you're going to push it away or you're going to somehow um, you can't just take some part of dependent origination and you know, chop it up and get rid of it. But you see, that's just part of everything. It's a it's a part of this entire uh, matrix of things coming and going and coming and going, showing up and disappearing, showing up and disappearing. So in, in one's particular uh, ego, uh, if you see what the ego is, then you can actually help people. But if you if you think you've gotten rid of your ego, then it might be kind of hard because then you're going to try to teach other people to get rid of their ego. And then I'm not saying you can't relatively accomplish that. Uh, sometimes call, it's called a, a trance. The trance of no self. Uh, those those concepts are used to help us see the truth, not to be uh, uh, some kind of a fill-in for the truth, some kind of concept about the truth. Thank you. Uh, I have another question, Maria Go ahead, please. What does it mean to be radical? So that's used different ways. Radical is used in, in, in politics and in society as someone who's not obeying the law or being disrespectful or being radical uh, outside the, the ken of uh, what is commonly accepted as uh, doing what you're told in society. Um, but it comes from the word radix. I think that's a Latin uh, foundation word radix or root. So even the root is not is not the beginning of it, but it's very close to it. But it's a take a radical approach to something means you're going to look at the root of that, and that's what the sitting practice of meditation, shikantaza, or just precisely this. Uh, you aren't going to get there right away. It takes a while. You're first you look at the tree bark, and then you look at the branches, and then you get magnetized by the leaves or get irritated by the bugs all over the tree to continue to use that metaphor. But at some point or points, you begin to go into that area where it's completely dark. That's where the roots are. And that darkness is not, it can be scary, especially if you or me or anyone else has been shutting that out, not only for this lifetime, not only since for what happened to you when you're three years old, shutting that out. So you can't look at that. It's just too terrifying. So you shut it out and create an artificial self who is well, relatively safe. I have food, I have a I have a tricycle, and now I have a car, and now I have a girlfriend or boyfriend, and I have a life, and, and I'm a talented musician, on and on and on, and create that. But death comes without warning. This is a very temporary. And uh, and what is going through that temporary area of uh, the alternation between things are pretty good and things are pretty bad, in other words, suffering, uh, is uh, is unreal, is un insubstantial as an individual self. And so, um, and this can go back to, you know, just speaking about it generally, come back, come back five lifetimes ago. Do I believe that? No, I don't believe anything. I don't disbelieve it. I don't look away from it. And I don't know how else to do this other than it, because if you believe anything or disbelieve anything or ignore things, uh, you're going to continue to spin on in the samsaric milieu that we that looks like a bunch of merry-go-rounds. But you just just stop feeling that. Just allow yourself to float around without particularly knowing what's up and what's down. You can do that on the cushion. Very hard to do that in uh, meditation and action or post meditation without clamping down on some idea of mindfulness, some idea of enlightenment, some idea of clarity, some idea of uh, and use that concept. It's much more challenging and difficult than that. Choke up. That image of the tree, uh, yeah. you said looking in, we might we'll eventually look into the dark or into the roots. Uh, is the dark or the roots that we are ignoring. You're breaking up quite a bit, Shoka. Can you go through that last uh, part of the question? 
Shokubang, in the image of the tree that you use, you mentioned uh, the dark or the roots. Is that area of our life phenomena that we are you get into it it's it's going to look like something is dark so yeah you could if you want to use that metaphorically you could but that the the idea there is it, it's just convenient i mean it's i'm using a tree but there are other kinds of uh, root or radical situations and I, that's why i call the sitting practice of meditation minimalist less is better uh you you can't you can't necessarily uh i mean you can you could create a meditation that makes you feel like you're nobody or you know, the, the mind uh, is very, very, uh, uh, the consciousness is very, very mutable. And so you could come up with any kind of thing that could last for a long time. The feeling of being enlightened or the feeling of being um, at one with everything. You could, there's all kinds of things. And there's all kinds of teachings that will tell you about it and take you there and, and train you in this direction, that direction, that direction. And again, I, I want to emphasize this. It's not wrong. I'm not saying any of this is wrong. Maybe that's Maybe that's what you need to do. But if you're here, then maybe you need to, uh, or maybe you want, or maybe you are uh, uh, served or helped by what I'm responding to. So those that dark area that you're talking about, the dirt that the roots are in, yeah, that could be, because it's down so deep, that could be an area that might take some time to get some light down in there. Metaphorical way of talking about it. You home Bali. Yeah. I have a related question. Go ahead. Yeah. You home Bali. Yes. Uh, you mentioned related question. You mentioned before that sometimes we see um I have to be very crappy or feel miserable to see Does that mean that I have to flip over totally to see the darkness to have a better understanding of the dharma or the teaching um. so okay thank you um no uh but it's so individual uh so i would say but just the way you asked the question i can see kind of what you're up against i said no but you know a little bit a little bit of that uh Make sure you get a little bit of sitting in every day. I mean, even if it's only 10 or 15 minutes, uh, it'd be nice if it were several hours, but not completely necessary. It's to me, my understanding is it's about when you do sit, sit very, very still without without maintenance. You'll find a way to do that. Everybody can do it. If I can do it, I can do it. You guys can do it. <laughs> so, uh, and, and then observe the way in which you're able to work with some negativity that's coming up and then you get you kind of start to overdose on it don't push that but then then notice whatever you have to do to back out so that it's almost like you find the uh like a faucet you can turn it all the way on you can ego mind uh, wants to just keep it shut off and then the ego mind that wants enlightenment will turn it right on full blast and try to de deal with that and I'm not saying I'm saying you don't have to do that. Now, everyone is a little different. Some people need that kind of an intense uh, uh, force of their negativity in order to be able to see it. But it's uh, it is dependently arisen. So you could that's why I say you can be your own meditation instructor. You might still need some help for the next you might need help for the next 30 years. I don't know. I certainly need a lot of help. But what I'm saying is uh, a little bit. Do a little bit, experiment with it a little bit. So like I was talking to Carl about the, the discipline idea is uh, see how, see what the boundary is of that. Actually be aware of the time when you, uh, when if you hold really still, you start to feel upset or you start to look too closely at some aspect of your mind stream that is uh, ab abrasive or un uncomfortable or scary. Don't overdo it. Do a little bit and then treat it as a form. In other words, uh, stop. Uh, strike the bell. Even if you're striking the bell a little earlier than you had planned, if it gets really difficult, pay attention to your emotions and your forms, uh, the, or emotions that show up as forms in the mind. You don't have to obey them, 
but you can be respectful of the emotions that are coming and going rather than try to clamp down on them. They are not, uh, just like we shouldn't clamp down on little children. Uh, our, uh, our mind stream is like uh, some aspects of the mind that have been shut away or like, are unruly, like children are. So, but we should be respectful of them. Not easy. Sorry, uh, I have another question. What is a beginner's mind? What does that mean in Buddhism? Um, so my understanding of that comes from uh, uh, Suzuki Roshi, who is a um, who is the person who brought Master here, Kowinchina Roshi, to this country back in the late '60s. And his book uh, titled Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, it comes out of his particular teaching, way of teaching. Uh, he says the, the Zen mind is always a beginner's mind. In other words, a, a true mind or heart mind is always a beginner. So it never gets anywhere. Never, n there's no, I think his way of saying it, I have to paraphrase a little bit, but in the in the expert's mind, the possibilities are few because they're full of their, their own ideas and their expertise. But in the beginner's mind, the possibilities are endless. So this is a completely open dimension that is very refreshing. We sit down and we meet ourselves as we are every day, day after day. Sometimes we seem very similar and sometimes uh, uh, we meet a totally different side or understanding or quality of ourselves we've never seen before. When I say ourselves, I'm saying the dynamic that shows up as our identity. So just observe, you know, fight with nothing, agree with nothing and ignore nothing. And in this way, um, you're you're always a beginner's mind. There's no, uh, um, you're always willing to just not know. Uh, the beginner, like someone starting uh, in meditation, uh, studying to study. Sometimes people are studying this very difficult text we have by uh, uh, Jeffrey Hopkins called Meditation on Emptiness. And there are others that are just as bad. When I say bad, they're not bad, but they're just complicated because they're so they're so they're constructed with uh, extreme ability to work with concepts and ideas that were uh, that came up through the uh, the lineages, in particular the the Gelugpa, uh, Nyingma, and uh, Kagyu lineage of uh, Tibetan Buddhism. And he that particular book, uh, if you read that, uh, if you want to feel like a beginner, anybody goes. I always feel like I feel like I I feel like a beginner when I read it, and I. I read it, <laughs> so it's difficult, but it's not so much about understanding it. I say over and over again, I'll say it again. The only thing you have to do, if you if you think of yourself at all, even tangentially as a student of mine, only thing I require is that you train your sit, sit down, face the wall, do as much as you can, and then study the Dharma, uh, and preferably with the Sangha, because that way you, you get uh, uh, that aspect of the three jewels that is uh, not included when you're studying this all by yourself in your closet. Uh, study it with so you can interact with other people who also don't quite get what Jeffrey Hopkins is talking about. And so it's about studying it. It is not about learning it. Now there are other teachers that will teach this completely differently. And it's been, as I was taught completely differently, uh, when I went to Vajradatu uh, Seminary many, a long time ago, um, they even had tests. They would test you as to what you knew and you know and i didn't know much so i was not doing too, so well and also i was having horrible pain in my knees and i was a failure at meditation <laughs> so terrible failure the person uh, uh sat in front of me uh sat uh i think she was part uh, uh cherokee i think but she sat in a, a full lotus posture for three or four hours at a time without moving um i remember her name olive cologne a little bit, a little bit. Do don't flip right over into it, and don't turn the faucet all the way on. But take take a little bit of that negativity, return to the wall with just a beginner's mind, just a fresh mind. Have a willingness to not not figure anything I'm thinking out. Do it with the body. The mind is is already highly sophisticated. The, the mind has been here for billions of years. The body just got here. In your case, what are you about twenty five, something like that, twenty two? Yeah. <laughs> well, whatever. Uh, uh, we'll I cannot sleep when <laughs> I say 22 or 25. Okay. We'll boot it out. So 
uh, I would say go ahead and go ahead and just uh, get set in front of the in front of the wall wherever you're meditating at, and just keep it very simple, very simple. No, don't. If you 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 could even say that if you feel like you're not getting anywhere, that's that's a better aspect of of uh, progress from the Buddhist position than some kind of uh, suddenly understanding emptiness. So I would even say to you or to anyone, if somebody thinks they understand shunyata, you know, then you're doing better than I am. I don't understand it. It's a, it's a teaching. So it's about studying it, not about learning it. And I'm happy to take questions about that or about the, what is that other thing that I take questions on? Eternities. Is it time? <laughs> Further questions, please? Yes. A couple of questions on YouTube. Emmanuel Lopez asks, you mentioned Jiddu Krishnamurti. I'm very interested in the things that he said, but I find it difficult to understand him. Any advice? Operating him. If you want to read a good Krishnamurti book, read The First and Last Freedom. That's pretty good. There's several others. He has a, a lot of them. But, you know, he's uh, um, <laughs> if you want to get a good, a really good view of Krishnamurti, uh, there's a, a YouTube video where, where, where the Vidyadara Chogyam Trungpa was having a, a one-on-one with, uh, with uh, Krishnamurti. And it goes on for quite a long time. It's, what's interesting about it is, is Krishnamurti is telling uh, the young Chogyam Trungpa back in the 1960s all kinds of things. And all all Trungpa Rinpoche does, who is a who is a uh, a tulku, uh, an incarnation of a, of a of a Buddha, of a living Buddha. Uh, I think he's the eleventh, and uh, and he just sits and listens to him the whole time, and he goes, I don't think he talks at all. He might say a couple of words, but he just and Krishnamurti just goes on and on and on about the nature of reality, the nature of the self, and then so and and he's he's correct, I and mean, what he's saying is. He's saying things that are, you know, technically are correct, but I just think it's an interesting dynamic to watch. It's on YouTube. <laughs> yes, it's on YouTube. You can just just go in Krishnamurti and uh, Trungpa Rinpoche and you'll find it, I, unless somebody has removed it because of all the profanity. Just joking. Just a joke. Just joking. Bowing. <laughs> His second question. Yes. If you were a 20-year-old college student, what concepts of Buddhism would you start to study? How do you know I'm not a 20-year-old college student? Oh, that's what you're asking me. That's right. Okay. Okay, so I'm a 20-year-old college student. And I would would just study uh, the provisional teachings to start with. And I would find uh, several sources for it. Uh, I'm I'm very biased in this area. Uh, I've been studying uh, my teacher's book, uh, Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism, for not only by myself, but with a group since 1975. And studying it at least once, sometimes two or three times a week, that same book over and over and over and over again, because it is completely full. You can't get to the end of that teaching. It's very profound and vast. The other one I would recommend is... Uh, also by Trungpa Rinpoche, is uh, The Myth of Freedom, M-Y-T-H, Myth of Freedom is good. But you know, there are a lot of, a lot of other great texts out there. Um, you, if, if, you, if you're really interested in books on Buddhism, uh, I've read a few, and 50 of them are, uh, are on the website, uh, Soku Koji website, that I recommend. If you, if you read those and ask questions out of those, I might not be able to answer them, but I at least I'll know what book you're reading. And even some of those have not read the entire book. I'm just familiar with the, the teaching that's in it. From Terry DePerrin. Yes, Terry. What does it mean to bring light into the roots or darkness? So the way I the way I'm receiving that question is just meditate, just sit, just, you have to look at the darkness. You can't, you can't look at light. You have to look at the darkness. 
You have to look into that. You are the light. I mean, I'm not trying to get romantic here, particularly. You are that. You're not separate from that. You're not separate from what you're looking for. I say it over and over again. Some people know this, and and if you realize this, you may meditate. You may not. The boundary, as Rinpoche, Trungpa Rinpoche said, the boundary between meditation and post meditation uh, just vanishes. There, you're always in a, you're always in a state of uh, of clarity about this, or sometimes called samadhi. You don't have to create something that you are. You are this. You, you. But I'm, I also say, don't believe me. Find out. Find out yourself. Do it with your own body, mind, uh, mind stream, and your own body. Get down, sit in front of the wall. Do a lot of it. Do it. Do it the rest of your life. Don't put a time frame on it. I mean, that doesn't mean you have to meditate every day necessarily. Although I think it's a good idea. And see what's true for yourself. Every person here, I, I know. Not everyone here really well, but some people I know extremely well. And I can tell you just by what I know that there is such an incredible contrast between the, the karma, the personalities and the lifestyles and the, I mean, just everything and the mind stream and the way each person has their own client, their own area where they're clamped up. It's incredibly different. Uh, and that's why I don't give some, the only broad teaching I get is sit down, hold still, look at the wall. And that's what I do in the, meditation primer i tell you i think there's 17 different instructions we're working on the other one for any of you who have ordered that one with 108 instructions in it that's we're just having pro problems with the i don't know it's a lazy publisher or yeah editor. huh lazy editor. no it's not lazy editors the editors are good it's uh um or Shambhala's turned us down already, haven't there? Is that the other book? That's the other. Oh, that's the addiction awareness. Okay. Okay. Any further questions? Another question from Kyosaku. Okay. If mind and body are one, would you say a fit and healthy body strengthens the practice of Zazen? It does, but it doesn't confirm it. So the it doesn't this isn't going to confirm that. So I would say yeah, but but what you call health and how you get health is quite a bit different with each person. Some people, uh, some people's bodies are just naturally uh, uh, having a lot of discontinuity as far as what we call health. So I would say yeah, you're a young person, so I would say that's probably pretty important. Excuse me, but don't take anybody's word for anything, especially mine. I often say, don't believe a word I say. I'm not, I don't want any followers or believers, but I, what I would like you to do, if you can do the very best thing you can do, if you want to do something for me, well, besides send me a lot of money, right? <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. Train your mind, find out who you are, find out who you are. I actually sit down and look at what you think it, look at way the way the mind keeps coming up with all kinds of stuff about everything anything to avoid looking at uh, the truth which is the truth is not separate you're not separate from anything there are not two things anywhere they're separated out as you hear me say over and over sure they're separated out it's here this coffee cup is here this this uh Striker is not a gong, but when this striker hits the gong, something else happens. It's, and that is extensive. It's everywhere. So you, you can't really, if you try to get a hold of anything, anytime you try to stop anything or start anything or get a hold of anything at all, you're, it's the very active, the active grasping of that. It, it, it automatically, because of the nature of the three poisons, you automatically ignore everything else. You ignore that by thinking that is a separate thing. Anytime you do anything, the the it's like the the rock in the middle of the pond. The, the waves come out away from it. Anytime you do anything, it radiates everywhere, and that's why you're responsible for everything. Nice show, Bobby. Nice show. Does ill health inhibit our ability to practice Zazen? Not literally, but our ability to 
realize this. No. I, I mean, everything, everyone is, uh, everyone is, uh, uh, is uh, coming apart in some way. Some people just faster than others. And your, your particular ill health might have gotten you onto the path. I mean, if you've been off in another distance with no ill health at all, and I'm just thinking, whoopee, you know, riding roller coasters. I seem to remember you used to do that. And there's a couple other things you used to do that you don't do much anymore. I'm not going to mention those. Uh, people don't want to hear about water. <laughs> so, but no, not at all. Um, I, I'm I'm not healthy. Uh, other people, even even people who are young, like as you are, also have their health issues and so on. Uh, difficulty with uh, all kinds of things. So people have migraines. Uh, people have. There's just so many different things that people have to deal with. We're all dealing with some kind of something we would probably call ill health, all the way from actual physical difficulty right up to and including uh, what is that aspect of the body that we call the mind, of difficulty in that area, of confusion in that area. So, as I say, uh, try to meet everything where it's at. I try to do that, and I recommend that you do that also. But it may be hard for you to do that if you're if you're if you're not able to meet your own practice where it's at. If you if you still think there's someone who can, uh, on some level, who can win or lose, live or die, or be healthy or not healthy, then then that area is compromised quite a bit. And that's why I say continue to train the mind. In your case, uh, return to the vow, the vow to be with all things. It, the the vow will help you it just sounds like a bunch of words but just do it and if you if you've not re received that vow formally there's no requirement to do that that's totally up to you that's your business i, I feel like you can uh, realize this uh, uh just by by looking at what it is not and that's that means uh to me means chicken taza I see one, but I can't read it. Sally bowing. I just, um, I must leave. I'm falling asleep here. <laughs> I'm well, really tired. Well, I, I'm, so thank you very much. Thank you. It's nice to see you, Sally. And uh, and I know what I know that you must really be sleepy because I know what I'm saying is really exciting. And you certainly wouldn't be. I wouldn't be putting you to sleep. So you must be really tired. <laughs> I am really tired. <laughs> go, go get some rest. Thank you. Thank you. See you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, yes. How yep. is training our minds the best thing that we can do for you? <laughs> well, how can I say? I know it probably sounds kind of selfish, but. Uh, I just want, I want I need to have control over you guys. <laughs> so, <no. laughs> what I'm saying, I this this is a meeting my my uh, teacher. I have to say my guru because that's how he functioned for me. And I'm not I'm not a guru, so I don't function that way. But that's how he functioned for me. It was a completely choiceless situation and uh, intense and very very scary. And I'm extremely grateful for that. Uh, I can't, I can't, I can't even thank him because he's gone and I can't thank Coben because he's gone and, uh, they wouldn't give a damn anyway. Uh, they're not interested in that. They're, they're not interested because I'm not separate from them. They're not separate from me. They're also not separate from you. And I, I think it would be really great if you could realize that. So you wouldn't, we would continue, you would not continue to make a nuisance of yourself to others and to yourself and realize your true nature, realize your, it's very simple. And it's extremely hard to, uh, to uh, say, accomplish. That's why we have monks and monasteries and vows and sutras and so on, to give us some kind of a backbone to this completely empty teaching that teaches you the nature of reality. You can do this. And it's amazing that if you can do this, then you not only realize your true nature, but you realize that you're no different than you were uh, when you were born, or you're no different than you were in the 13th century. What is different? You see what this is. 
no longer at war. You can do that. With your permission, I'll help you. We can dedicate the merit in the monastery if there's uh, a willingness to do that. Friends and visitors, heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with life. 